Fans, welcome to another exciting edition of Ringside Rambling. It is Friday, uh, Friday morning here in the lovely state of Hawaii. And so, um, don't really have a lot of wrestling news for you today. But what I wanted to kind of touch on was the AEW Mox versus Punk match. You know, it, it seems to really be a, uh, a, a dividing point among the fans and, I mean, the professionals themselves. You know, I was listening to um, Bully Ray the other day, and and him talking about it, and he was he was quite um, he was quite down on the match. Really, I mean, it was a three minute match, and and Bully's talking about it, and I, I gotta say, I don't think he recalled the match exactly the way it went down, because um, he's quite shitty on the match, in my opinion. Um, He's he's talking like it was just a squash match. Like you just saw this on you know WWF superstars of something along with King Kong Bundy versus Paul Roma or some shit. Um that's not what the match was at all. Let's you know if you haven't watched it, it's a three minute match, go watch it. Uh, it's on the AEW Facebook page, match in total, actually. Um I mean let's just talk about it here for a minute. You know, the, the bell rings. There's a lot of anticipation. The bell rings. They're in Cincinnati, I think. They're in Ohio anyway. Mox's home state. And um, they lock up. I think Punk pushes Mox into a corner. He gets reversed. Uh, Mox unloads on him. Referee breaks him up. Punk pushes Mox back to the corner again. Punk unloads on Mox. So, so at this stage, it's like it's even. You know, both are brawling. It's pretty even. Mox hits like a headbutt. Punk hits the the roundhouse kick, and that's where things take a turn. So, you know, like Bully Ray saying, "Oh, it's 100% Mox Punk had no offense." Ah, uh, what match were you watching? Because that's not what it was at all. It was it was pretty even, Steven, up until the you know re-injury point. Uh, and at that stage. Mox is knocked silly. You know, he's stumbling around. He's down. Punk selling the leg. And, you know, Mox shakes the cobwebs loose, pulls Punk up. You know, the big clothesline starts dropping the elbows to the neck and the head like the Blackpool Combat Club does. Uh, Punk tries to pull him off. Mox fights loose elbows some more, grabs the leg and just starts twisting away at it, uh, pulls him up, death dealer, death dealer. Um, and then of course, one, two, three. Now, uh, Bully Ray, he's talking like there's zero offense from Punk. 
and like you know punk just went out there mox brawled him and just laid him out and one that's not what happened at all you know uh, up to the point of getting injured it was pretty even i mean the match was like i said the match is under three minutes it's only like a a whole minute that these two were brawling and punching away at each other up until the roundhouse kick. Bully Ray also had a huge problem with with um, the finish in and of itself. He had a big problem with Moxley hitting the Death Dealers. Bully Ray's like, oh, it's a double arm suplex. And I'm I'm not the biggest Moxley fan out there, but you know, I watch New Japan, I watch everything pretty much. But if you watch wrestling and you watch the moves and you watch the match, if you've seen Moxley wrestle uh, at all, then I mean, you should know the difference between the Death Dealer and the Paradigm Shift, uh, which is basically this, almost the same version of the move. You know, the Paradigm Shift is the double arm DDT essentially. And the Death Dealer is just a, a lifted version of that move. Uh, yes, it looks like a double arm suplex. Basically, it's a double arm brain buster. Uh, and that's how it's typically delivered as you lift the guy up and drop him on the back of his head. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure, like the point of of trying to say this is just a double arm suplex um does it come off that way sometimes sure you know bad delivery maybe absolutely was it done that way in this match i don't believe so uh you know i mean he you you see punk getting dropped on the back of his head on his shoulders um you don't you know if you saw the death dealer done in a matchup where someone does a double arm suplex typically, you would think that move was botched. So to be a, a professional wrestler and calling this move a double arm suplex, I think, you know, I, I feel like I was a little offended by this because it, it would be like calling a brain buster just a regular textbook suplex. You know, and... and Bully actually goes out of his way to be like, I don't care who does the move or what you call it or blah, blah, where it's done at. You know, this is his finisher in Japan and uh, it's a double arm suplex. Yeah, well, maybe a cutter is just a neck breaker that's botched. How about that? Is that what, is that the same, that's the same token right there. Oh, you went for a neck breaker. I don't care what you call it. You applied it wrong and it's a neck breaker. Yeah, I find that totally, I'll say, ignorant. You know, if if you're supposed to be a big analyst and you're you're a professional wrestler and you're going to come at this and be like, this is dumb because he did this finish. The AEW fans aren't used to this finish. Let me tell you, AEW fans probably know more about the finish than you do, apparently. Uh, because the Death Dealer... The paradigm shift, Moxley's moves. Mox has used the Death Dealer in AEW before. So yeah, I I, I find I found Busted Open's um, coverage of this three-minute match quite um, odd. 
in a lot of ways, you know, they, you know, Bully really didn't seem to like this match. Um, he went out of his way to kind of bury the match in, in a lot of ways. Uh, usually I agree with Bully Ray quite a bit, but, uh, not this time, apparently. Uh, he, you know, he, he thought, he thought the match should have been ended with a figure four. I can totally understand that. Uh, Moxley's not like a, you know, he's not, he's not a finesse guy. Like, if you had Dax Harwood out there, yeah, I could see working the leg and ending the match in a figure four. Um, Sting, you, anybody that could work in a finesse way, anybody that could work a submission-based match. Moxley is kind of hard, you know, he's more, I don't know if I'd say hardcore, but yeah, he's hardcore, he's only hard nails, He's a tough guy, and he's going to finish a match, you know, in that manner. Like, he has his match finishers. Like, obviously, the Bulldog Choke doesn't really need need to work in a finish of this match. Uh, it could, but you're talking about a hurt leg. Obviously, you see that your opponent's hurt. It's a setup for your finish. Now, maybe he has a hurt leg, but that also lowers his defenses, in this instance. So, yeah, you know, Mox goes for the heating up with the elbows for his finish, grabs the leg because he knows Punk's in pain, has a hurt leg, brawls the leg, you know, like a wild bear, and then picks him up for his, his finish because he knows he's got it in the bag, hits it twice, and wins. I, I don't see a problem with the psychology of this match. It's, it's very short, it's very abrupt, it's very in-your-face, it's a very Moxley type of matchup, and I had no problem with the match. I actually liked that it was short, sweet, to the point. It was a, it was a knockout blow. You know, this is, this is one of the style matches that I, I felt like Wrestling in general needed to like really be pushing the last decade, probably, especially with MMA on the rise. You need a match every now and then that is just dominant, not to to bury somebody else, not to squash them. This was not a squash match. This was Punk his return match from an injury off of surgery to come back with no matches for a couple months. Versus Moxley, who's been on a rampage, no pun intended. <clears throat> and, you know, it was what it was. It's the cobwebs. It's, it's the ring rust. It's the injury. It's the old age. And I, I really feel like it fits the storyline Punk's been telling all along. So, so in a lot of ways, I, I think the match was fine. I think it was good. I think the psychology of it works I think the storytelling of it works you know you have punk leaving the ring help to the back and he looks back at the ring kind of like what the hell happened so from here though the door is kind of open for all kinds of storytelling you know obviously mox is champion mox can pretty much face anybody 
do we do a return match at All Out Punk's hometown? Uh, do we have Punk turn heel from this point forward? I mean, Punk has already said, you know, oh, everybody's chanting and wanting the old CM Punk back. Be careful what you wish for because you're going to get it. I mean, is this foreshadowing of a heel Punk turn coming? Um, which I, I'm, I'm ready for. I'm hope it is because I think we can get more out of Punk versus the baby faces than the heels at this stage. But also, I think you know, for if we get an MJF return, we need heel Punk. There's nobody big, bigger and better than a heel Punk for an MJF face return. And you know MJF comes back, it's going to be a face reaction. Um, so, so let's just look at the scenarios there. You know, maybe Punk's gone. Maybe he's not fully recovered. Maybe he's not fully healed up. And Punk's going to be off TV for a while. Does that work? You know, I guess it does. Um, things go on. Say we get Punk versus Moxley 2 in Chicago at All Out. Uh, I think it might be an uphill battle to get fans to boo Punk. So he's going to have to to really do something dastardly to Mox or somebody get that heel heat. Is it possible? Yes, it's totally possible. I think Punk could do it in Chicago and still get booed. How do you do that? I think you you involve Hangman Page somehow. Hangman's the super white meat baby face and all this. Uh, Mox, beloved. So I think that works. I think you just stack your cards. Punk has to go full heel uh, at All Out to do that. Personally, what I would do, I'd have Punk go All Out heel win the belt he beats Moxley Punk versus Danielson he beats Danielson Punk versus Hangman Page just putting the nail in the coffin for babyface Punk we need the fans to hate CM Punk we need heat on Punk we need total heel Punk and if it means having Punk coming out sitting in the middle of the ring and just trash talking all the AEW originals to get that heat. I say so be it. You know, uh, we could get Punk Kingston again, Punk Darby again. I would say even doing a Punk Sting match somewhere just to keep that heat on. Um, until you have a point where you know you have Super Heel CM Punk out in the ring. Talking about how he's beaten everybody in the back. He's beaten ex-WWE guys. He's beaten WCW guys. He's beaten TNA guys. New Japan, Ring of Honor. He's beaten all the AEW originals. And there's not a single person in the back that can beat him. And the only way he gets defeated is if he defeats himself. And you just have him keep just... Ego, ego, ego. And then you hit MJF's music. 
I think that would probably be the best scenario all around. We're talking months down the line here, though. Uh, for an MJF return with a CM Punk heel champion. Um, and you have kind of the AEW original MJF coming out, being the face of the company now. That fans can get behind. You know, fans want to cheer MJF. Fans love his sarcasm, his antics, and everything else. And you kind of have this new age anti-hero. You could bring MJF back at All Out. He could be the wild card in the Casino Battle Royal. I think that would be a bit of a waste. Be a little bit too early, in my opinion, uh, to do that. But you could do it. Uh, be very fast paced though. I wouldn't do it. Just I would bring him back in a couple months after you solidify a heel CM Punk championship with a few baby faces fed to him. Uh, that's just my opinion. That's what I would do. I'm sure Bully Ray would do something different. It's like ending a Moxley Punk match with a figure four. Um, but I don't know how you end a three minute match with a figure four, but I guess it's possible with a injured leg. Um, so that's, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to touch on that. I, I, a lot of people are divisive over this match. A lot of people hated it. Um, this match was in the middle of the show, you know, uh, which is a great place for it to say, hey, look, this match can go 60 minutes and then not have it go 60 minutes uh, at all. But I think it did what it was planned to do. The shock factor. Um, and, you know, if if you want people to buy out the pay-per-view, I, I get it. You know, the punk story is... You know, being the the underdog kind of still fits with this narrative. You know, so yeah, I just I just found it a little odd, a little funny that uh, Bully Ray would have so much hate for this matchup. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So that's probably going to do it for us today, this lovely Friday. Hopefully everybody's enjoying their week, uh, enjoying the wrestling, catching up on stuff, a lot of wrestling to catch up on. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see the hate for this matchup. I think if, uh, if you don't like the three-minute match, if you feel cheated by it in some fashion, um, I, I don't think you've been paying attention personally uh, I think if if you don't think you can do short matches in this regard uh, you know um, I don't think you understand what finishers are I don't think you understand like how you could have a, a, a short match and just it be ended quickly this is how real fights are by the way like fights don't last forever like it's it's uh, not typical a fight will go just keep going and keep going keep going eventually like usually 
you know, first round, second round, it's, it's done. So I think having that short match in the face of what wrestling is right now with all these, you know, the long matches are, are in style now. Like I, I tried to watch, um, a review of Raw the other night, a brief analyst of Raw the other day, and it, you know, three hours was cut down to 45 minutes. And even then, some of these matches were going forever that shouldn't, you know. Uh, and I'm watching this as like, what? Why are you giving us these super ass long matches? And AEW does do this sometimes too. It's like, you're giving us matches taking forever that totally should not take forever. Uh, I think it was the other on uh, uh, Dark the other night. Um, Brock Anderson versus I think it was Serpentico, and obviously this match is supposed to be a match to build up Brock Anderson, and it was a competitive match. Sorry, it shouldn't have been. To me, this is the match that you would want to complain about that. Brock Anderson versus Pinnacle can go 10 minutes. Uh, why? You know, I, I don't think 250-pound Brock Anderson, as amateur and rookie as he is, should have a competitive match against, you know, a veteran like Serpentico that weighs like 150 pounds. And I don't even know if this guy even won a match in AEW at all. I mean, he's obviously builder talent out there. But uh, should should you be having a, a guy that you're really pushing to get more reps and more training and everything else? I mean, I get the idea of having a match that goes on to learn from. But should this be a match that's competitive? Uh... I don't really think so. <clears throat> so. Anyway, that's that's my opinion, but I am the wrestling connoisseur. So, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Tune in next time. I'm sure there'll be more. Hopefully, we can get a a lot more shows out there for you guys than we have lately. So, uh, for Ringside Ramblings, it's Sam Piola, the wrestling connoisseur. Until next time. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.